Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Church. We're currently teaching through the Gospel of John. Covenant Grace Church is one church meeting in multiple locations. This message was recorded at our Menifee campus. I'm reading from the ESV version. John 5 verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five, five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to, take, said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is the word of the Lord. That's a really uh, great verse there at the end. Uh, you know what it says? It says, Jesus answered, my father is working until now, and I am working. And uh, it's really encouraging to me because it reminds me that we don't serve a God who is just kind of sitting up on a throne that is done, and he's just observing as things go on. That he's actually working in our lives. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, I've had a little bit of a a stressful month. Um, we're buying a house. Um, I have a two-year-old. I could probably stop there. Um, <laughs> I got you know work and the holiday season, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we went away this past weekend, and, and it was just reminded being able to kind of take a, a step out of the everyday life, and you know just just be with the Lord. And, and it was you know kind of uh, sitting in a car. My my wife and uh, sister-in-law were in a movie. It sounds more glamorous than it was. Um, <laughs> And, and I was just sitting in the car while they're, you know, sitting on set and just preaching to myself in the car, kind of going through this. And hopefully uh, it, will, it will be encouraging. Uh, but, but this verse was just in my mind and that, that God is not ceased his work, not, not, not at this point and not now. So um, anyways, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to jump in today. But uh, before we do that... Uh, some of you may not know me, so uh, I am David Dietrich. I am one of the leaders here at Covenant Grace Menifee. Uh, usually I'm in the back and uh, whispering with Wes and Scott and making sure that slides are up correctly and that carpets are laid down and that seats are spaced far enough away. And uh, <laughs> uh, 
I have a community group that we uh, host at my house on Thursdays, as, as Josh said, with my wife, who is um, up here uh, blessing us with uh, talents that God has given her in worship. Uh, we also have a two-year-old, which you have a picture of, I believe, maybe. This is Iris. This was, this was last year. She wields the power of cute. That's what we, we say. Uh, I went to film school, so I did some special effects and stuff like that, and uh, this is not a real picture. Uh, we, it's, a, it's a little bit altered. Uh, we also have a dog at our house. Uh, this is our dog, Bailey, uh, who is, was a puppy at this time, but he's cute. Uh, we're dog people, so if you come to our community group and you're a cat person, you're welcome, but just beware. You know, we do have a dog. Uh, if you're a dog person, you know, you'll feel right at home. Uh, now that you guys know a little bit about me, what I do here, and I've shown you pictures of babies and puppies, we can dig into the word, and you'll believe anything I say. So we will uh, we'll jump in. Let me, let me pray real quick. Lord, I uh, need you. I stand here uh, in a place of, of humility before my brothers and sisters and just pray that, uh, that you would sort through my mind, sort through the things that that you have brought out in this passage. And, and I pray that you would just filter that which would not be for my brothers and sisters and for myself, uh, Lord, and bring to my mind, bring through my mouth uh, the, those things that would be an encouragement, those things that would challenge us, uh, Lord, those things that you would have used in our life through the Holy Spirit to make us more like your Son. Lord, we ask that, that you would be with us and that, that you would protect us. Uh, Lord, that you would just be edifying us uh, with your presence now. And Lord, I just pray uh, that, that you would guard my mouth, that only the things of you would come out. Lord, we ask these things in the name of your Son, by the power of your Spirit, and under the authority of you. Amen. Amen. This is a really cool passage, uh, primarily because this is a passage where we see a miracle. And I think that, you know, miracles are things that we you know, sometimes don't, don't consider. We, we kind of think like, oh, yeah, those were cool things that happened, uh, you know, back then. Or uh, we think, you know, like, it would be really cool to see a miracle in my life. I, we put that question up, and, and as I was talking, I mean, and I've been prepping this, and I, I knew that that question was coming as our discussion question. I was like, what is the most main thing? I don't, have I seen anything? And then, you know, George was, was kind of sharing something. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I had something similar like that to happen, and, and we were just kind of going through, and I thought, it's so weird that even as I think about it, it's hard to think about those kind of supernatural and unexpected things that happen in my life, um, and they have, uh, but I think that that kind of comes into what the purpose of miracles are. So let's, let's talk about miracles for a second. There's a kind of a definition that we could go off of, whether we're looking at like secular dictionary kind of things or Christian study tools. Um, miracles are a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency, the miracle of rising from the grave. So a miracle is something by this definition, that kind of happens in the physical universe. And I think this is a good definition, uh, but it is a little bit limiting because I think there are miracles 
that we would acknowledge that are not necessarily the parting of the seas. They're not necessarily, you know, as we see in this passage, the healing of a person. There's, there's miracles of the heart. There's things that are in the kind of supernatural realm outside of the physical that God is doing that do require a divine agency's hand in that. So I, I, I kind of wanted to give that caveat, especially as we tear this passage apart. But I think more important than what a miracle is, more important than what the definition of a miracle is, what is the purpose of a miracle? I mean, think about that. When God does a miracle, the point is to magnify God. There's another slide here we can bring up real quick. I, I, I did this one at home. I you know, did all the stuff. Uh, so <laughs> the point is that we would magnify God to increase faith, right? So God's uh, through this miracle, his power, his compassion, his love, his wisdom, uh, he's putting on display something of himself to be seen. And because that's seen, the people who experience and witness that miracle, their faith will be increased. Okay, so we, we see the purpose and the result. Now, in this story, as we look at the, the man in Bethesda, uh, you know, we, we're... we're Jesus is coming from actually having uh, done another miracle in, in chapter 4 at the end. And he comes into Jerusalem, and he comes to the Pool of Bethesda. And the Pool of Bethesda is kind of at the edge of Jerusalem. Uh, there's a kind of a, a, an estimate of what it would look like, or like a model that they built. And, and it's this pool. It's got the five colonnades around it. Um, so you can see there's kind of the four on the outside and the one through the middle. The ruins are actually still in Jerusalem. If you go home and do a Google search, you know, Pool of Bethesda, you'll see a bunch of people's vacation photos <laughs> of the Pool of Bethesda. And you can kind of piece them together and have an idea of, of what it would look like. Um, but they're, you know, it's, it's fairly deep. Um, the, the edges of the pools would have these stairs kind of come through them. And, and there's a, you know, kind of an artist's rendering of, these stairs coming down, and, and around it, you have all of these, uh, as, as the ESV says, this multitude of invalids, people who couldn't walk or couldn't hear, couldn't see. You know, I, I kind of think that the, the thought that I had was um, I just watched, uh, oh gosh, one of those old military movies, and, and they had this house, and they had brought all of the injured uh, warriors or the injured soldiers into the house, and they were all sitting there, and, and it was... You know, there's this scene where they're kind of walking through, and uh, there's just people here and people there, and there's not really like moaning and, and crying, but it's just hopelessness. It's just kind of like everybody's on the verge of death. There's sickness. There's, you know, injury. Um, and this is, is, you know, probably something similar to that, right? You've got people who just have no help, uh, no health uh, or a lack of health that are looking to be healed, uh, you have people who can't walk, people who have lost the control of a limb, people who, you know, maybe through uh, an accident or some kind of birth defect or, uh, you know, just, just whatever has caused it, they, they're, they can't walk, they can't uh, use their arms, they might, be, uh, they might have sores that need to be healed uh, because of, you know, like a tumor. Uh, some people just sick, right? They've lost the strength to be able to move and, and kind of live their life. So they've They've come to the end of themselves. They, they feel like they need a divine agency. They need something to change their situation. So they've come to this pool and, and in hope that they would be healed. And uh, we're going to have to take just a, a, a half a second, actually probably more than that, 
five-minute break on a, a, to give this a little bit of context, because if you look at your ESV, how many of you guys have an ESV Bible that you're reading from? So I want you to go to the ESV and count with me, right? So we have 5-1, 5-2, 5-3, 5-4, 5-5, 5-6, 5-7, 5-8, 5-9, 5-10, 5-11, 5-12, 5-13, 5-14, 5-15, 5-16, 5-17, 5-18, 5-19, 5-20, 5-21, 5-22, 5-23, 5-24, 5-25, 5-26, 5-27, 5-28, 5-29, 5-30, 5-31, 5-32, 5-33, 5-34, 5-35, 5-36, 5-37, 5-38, 5-39, 5-40, 5-41, 5-42, 5-43, 5-44, 5-45, 5-46, 5-47, 5-48, 5-49, 5-50, 5-51, 5-52, 5-53, 5-54, 5-55, 5-56, 5-57, 5-58, 5-59, 5-60, 5-61, 5-62, 5-63, 5-64, 5-65, 5-66, 5-67, 5-68, 5-69, 5-70, 5-71, 5-72, 5-73, 5-74, 5-75, 5-76, 5-77, 5-78, 5-79, 5-80, 5-81, 5-82, 5-83, 5-84, 5-85, 5-86, 5-87, 5-88, 5-89, 5-90, 5-91, 5-92, 5-93, 5-94, 5-95, 5-96, 5-97, 5-98, 5-99, 5-100, 5-101, 5-102, 5-103, 5-104, 5-105, 5-106, 5-107, 5-108, 5-109, 5-110, 5-111, 5-112, 5-113, 5-114, 5-115, 5-116, 5-117, 5-118, 5-119, 5-120, 5-121, 5-122, 5-123, 5-124, 5-125, 5-126, 5-127, 5-128, 5-129, 5-130, 5-131, 5-132, 5-133, 5-134, 5-135, 5-136, 5-137, 5-138, 5-139, 5-140, 5-141, 5-142, 5-143, 5-144, 5-145, 5-146, 5-147, 5-148, 5-149, 5-150, 5-151, 5-152, 5-153, 5-154, 5-155, 5-156, 5-157, 5-158, 5-159, 5-160, 5-170, 5-171, 5-172, 5-173, 5-174, 5-175, 5-174, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175, 5-175
in the church that were being passed to other churches. And in that process, there was human error. So some of these transcripts will have minor discrepancies. Now, we hold the word, and as did the early church, they hold those in very high value. So they did everything they can and all the focus and, and, and uh, nitpicky detail to make sure that they were exact copies. But from time to time, Lee would misspell a word uh, or forget a piece of punctuation, or he might look at a passage like this and they would put a note in the column. And they'd say, uh, you know, this, was, this is kind of an explanatory note. So it's not in the original text. It wasn't in the original letter that John wrote to the churches. So we had that transcription process. It could give us pause. We'd say, well, wait a minute. Like, there's all these people that were involved. I mean, they're transcribing, and there's these errors. And how do we know that, you know, when Lee transcribed this one, and then Barbara transcribed from Lee's, and then his error gets carried on, and really, Jesus was an alien, and it just got switched. Well, we know because in the tens of thousands of documents that we have, there are so few discrepancies Comparatively, when we're thinking about the number of words, um, there are a few hundred discrepancies, but of those hundred or so discrepancies, most of them are just like a misspelled word, or I forgot to put a comma in. So they're very minor details. Of the ones like this that are a little more significant, um, everyone has uh, an explanation. And, and if, even if we look at this passage, and we look at this passage without verse 4, it doesn't change the meaning, the teaching of the passage in any way, shape, or form, right? So we can look at the Bible and we can be confident that what we hold here is a translation of an accurate transcription of John's letter. So let's talk about translation for a second. How many times have you guys heard, the Bible's been translated so many times that we can't trust what it said? How many times does something have to be translated for it to not be trusted, right? We played like the telephone game, so if we started here and everybody kind of went through, and at the end somebody says something completely different, right? And it's because it's gone through so many translations. Your Bible has been translated once. So when someone says that, you say, well, it's only been translated once, and we've been translated from the original documents that were transcribed. If you have questions about this, if you feel like, you know, I would just like to know more about what is going on, how we got our Bible, whether we can trust it, please talk to me, talk to Eric. Uh, there are so many resources that we can look at. The Bible is the most uh, transcribed book in history. When we talk about antiquity, I mean, there are so many copies of it that even a, uh, I don't remember the the gentleman's name, but was kind of looking through some of this and prepping, and, and there was a secular guy, and, and he was just like, there, it's, it's the same. Like, there's just no way. You know, I mean, it, nobody who is really in the field studying this with legitimacy. Now, somebody you see on the History Channel, Discovery Channel, who has like, you know, the weird 70s hairdo, and they have like a PhD in alien visitation or something like that, and of course, since they have that, they're an expert on Bible literature. Um, they might say, like, well, there's, you know, something. But anybody who has legitimacy in the field does not believe that what we have here is not accurate to the books. Now, they'll talk about other Gospels and all that kind of stuff. 
You know, we could look at canonization and why we have the books that we do. There, is, there are reasons that we have this, and they are so well thought out. Uh, they're so researched that you can have great confidence that what you have here is what John wrote. And John walked with Jesus. So the question when we come to the word really is not, is the word accurate? It's, do you believe this is from God? Because if you do, it holds great, great uh, uh, connotation to your life. All right. Rabbit trail done. Let's get back to the story. So uh, Jesus comes to Bethesda. There are these people, uh, you know, waiting to be healed. There's one particular man, right? And we see this man. He has been uh, unable to walk for 38 years. And uh, I got a picture that I looked up of him. <laughs> Sorry, that was dumb. Um, <laughs> so he's been crippled for 38 years. And, and, I, and I read this passage, and I, I kind of think about the situation. 38 years. And, you know, I mean, right now, like, if somebody can't walk, we have a lot of stuff that we can, we can do to help them live, right? I mean, they can work. Like, they can be a part of society. Uh, there's, you know, there's great kind of pushes in that uh, people who would, would not be able to walk, they don't want to be called handicapped. They don't want to be called, you know, uh, anything less than you because they feel like, we can do it. Uh, so, so it's a very different culture. You know, I mean, when we think of, like, man, that's sad if, if somebody is, is lost the use of a limb or, or is sick. Uh, it's very different to be sick then than it would be now. And this guy's been struggling with that for 38 years. And, you know, I mean, I think about him standing or, or sitting, actually, uh, on his mat, and he's looking out into this water. And he's thinking to himself, if I could just walk, like, I could get that job. I could, I could be a part of society. I wouldn't be a burden on my family. I wouldn't be a burden on my friends anymore. I wouldn't have to beg. If I could walk, you know, maybe I could meet somebody. And she would see me as more than someone to be pitied. And we could have a family. You know, if I could walk, I could go see the world. I could, I could go out and, and see what's outside of this particular place. And, and I could travel. And I could do the things that would make me happy. And here's this man who's sitting in front of this pool. And he's looking out into it. And he's at a place of hopelessness. And he's so desperate that he's come to this pool where he believes that an angel comes in and stirs the water up, and if he could just get in it, then he would be healed. Now, I don't believe that there was any real healing quality of this pool. I think that it was probably, um, like, my, my wife uh, spent some time in Europe uh, on the mission field in Ukraine, and she said, you know, Europe has these healing baths. And they've got minerals, and, and they're, they're good for, uh, you know, if you kind of go in them, they're, they're rejuvenating, and they are, they're called healing pools. And, and they're, you know, they have healing properties, kind of like medicine. Um, but I don't think that there was something supernatural about this pool. Uh, and, and I think that because in the manuscripts that they have, there are 12 that says that this was not in uh, the original text. So even when the King James was translated, and, and they were kind of working off of those manuscripts, it was just kind of like a, a note that was put in. Since then, with the older manuscripts, this verse isn't included in them, and that's why we have this, this kind of separation. Um, I, I don't think that it was in the original text. I don't think it was something, John. There was known superstitions at the time uh, that, you know, th there would be kind of these stirrings in the pools. 
Uh, but I do think that it, it speaks to us about the desperation that people were in as they came to this pool, that it really came to their last uh, hope. And he's standing there, and he's so desperate, he's so lost, that a man comes up, and he sits next to him, and he doesn't notice. And he just stares at the pool more. Again, this is my speculation. This is obviously not in the text. It wasn't in any Greek manuscripts that weren't included in the ESV. And Jesus comes up, and he stands next to him, doesn't get noticed, he sits down, and he asks him a question. He says, do you want to be healed? Now, this is a man who is sitting in a pool waiting to be healed with a bunch of other people who are waiting to be healed, and Jesus has the audacity to walk up to a man who can't walk and ask him an obvious question, right? And I think there's a purpose to it. I think there was more to that question than do you want to walk, because that's not what he asked him, right? Jesus didn't ask him, do you want to walk? He asked him, do you want to be healed? And I think there's a different context there. So the man's response, I think, reveals a little bit about where he's at, right? He says uh, in verse 7, it says, Sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. So Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he says, Yes, this is how to do it, but I can't do it on my own. And Jesus surprises him, and he says, get up, take your bed, and walk. And I think that is a pretty cool thing. Here this man is waiting to be healed by what the world is saying is his last hope. And Jesus, the creator of the universe, comes up, stands next to him, asks him, and even though the man misses it, Jesus acts independently and heals this guy. And I think, you know, when we think about miracles, we think Jesus coming in and fixing something, you know, right? We think, oh, something's broken and Jesus is going to come in and change it. But Jesus really isn't changing something here. He's taking something that was broken and redeeming it. He's changing it to what it should have been. And miracles, in some way, when we're looking at healing, are glimpses at what is supposed to be. Right? I mean, this man was not supposed to be broken. And sin is what's caused broken. And some of the commentaries, as we look at this, because of uh, verse uh, 13, 14, when Jesus says, see you are well, sin no more, uh, there's some commentators who say that they feel that there was something in this man's life that was sinful that led to this sickness. I don't agree with that, uh, but it does bring up this kind of debate that we talk about all the time. And I don't think that... Uh, it really is something we have to debate because when it comes to sickness, sin is the cause. It's not necessarily sin that we committed that has brought our sickness upon us, but sin in general is why there is sickness, why there is death. So Jesus heals this man. He goes. The first thing that happens is he runs into a couple of leaders. You can go to two slides later, Scott. Uh, he runs into some uh, Jewish, uh, they say the Jews here. John's referring to the religious leaders of the time. The religious leaders say, hey, you're not supposed to be walking. This is the Sabbath. Now, that sounds crazy to us, right? I mean, you're not supposed to be walking. You're not supposed to be carrying your bed. Like, that's not work. That's just you're, you're carrying something. Well, this comes back because in uh, Ten Commandments, you know, uh, and the Sabbath is supposed to be kept holy, and we're not supposed to work on that day. And what's happened is, is through the centuries that definition of work and definition of rest has been altered and changed. And, and it's come to a point where he can't even carry his bed. 
because if, he, if he's doing that, he's breaking the commandments. Their concern is that he's breaking the commandments. They, his response then is, it wasn't me. This isn't my fault. I was told to do this, right? He does a little bit of blame shifting. And then we find out that he, didn't, he doesn't know who healed him. It was just some, some dude that was sitting next to me, and he said, walk, so I walked. Now, at this passage, I think, how did you not get the name of the guy that healed you? I mean, this is like you got up and you just walked away? I mean, that's bizarre. Well, the religious leaders want to know who is this guy, right? Suddenly they forget that this man doesn't fit in the moral box anymore. This man's not doing the things that they want him to. And they say, who is it that told you this? The man goes. He says he doesn't know. It, says, it does say that Jesus kind of uh, went back into the crowd. So, you know, he, that, maybe the guy was... Healed, and, and he turned around, and Jesus was gone. You know, I mean, it could be. Uh, my speculation is a little bit different. The leaders looking for this guy, they don't know. Man goes back. Later, Jesus runs into him at the temple. And what does Jesus say? He says, see, you are well. Sin no more so that nothing, else, nothing worse can happen. What does the man do after that? He goes back to the Jewish leaders, and he says, that's the guy. That's the guy that healed me. Uh, there's a couple of things that I, I, I want to look at as application in this passage. You know, narratives are really cool because they're easy to read and we can kind of go through and we can like, this is really cool. Like, this is what the Lord was doing while he was here working. You know, as we see in that last verse, you know, Jesus working. Uh, but sometimes the application can be difficult, right? It's like, okay, well, this is what happened, so what about us? And, and as I read through this passage, the thing that struck me more than anything else, was the response to the miracles. And we see two responses to miracles, right? We see, first we see the man. The man who's crippled, the man who's looking out into the pool for his solution. He's got a hole in his heart. There's something that is keeping him from having joy, having fulfillment uh, in life. And it's what he's missing. And he's looking to what he's missing to bring him that joy. Have you guys ever found yourself at that spot where we're, like, we're dissatisfied with something in our life? Whether it be a physical illness, whether it be a situation, whether it be our finances, whether it be a relationship or a lack of a relationship, and we think, if only I had this thing, then I would have happiness. And I think that we should be able to relate to this guy, that if we put a, a pool of water here in the middle of the room, this would be a very similar place to Bethesda, right? Because we have a multitude of invalids, spiritually and otherwise, surrounding this pool looking to be healed. The problem with that is that we're sitting at a pool and we're waiting and nothing's happening with our life, right? And it's, it's defeating us. Uh, I, I think it was probably C.S. Lewis, because I read a lot of him, uh, that said, I have to be careful, because there was a quote that I uh, uh, ascribed to C.S. Lewis a lot, and then I can't find it anywhere, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Straighten it out when we get in heaven. We'll give the right person the, uh, the, the quote. Um, but I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about that you know, when we're saved, Satan's best hope is to make us ineffective, and if we get so caught up that there's something in our life that has to change for us to start doing what we know that we're supposed to be doing, 
a.k.a. bringing glory to God, Satan has won a small victory. Now, it's, it's cool to think that, that God is in control of all the things and that even though he may think he's won in this moment, it's not a surprise to God, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. The second response that we look at uh, is the Jewish leaders, right? So as they come in, they miss the miracle completely, right? So the man, he missed the purpose of the miracle because when he was healed, he saw it as something for him. And even though we can relate to his situation, if God did come in and change that situation, how would we respond? Would we jump up in joy like the man and walk away from Jesus and go living our life the way that we wanted to? Or, there's another thing that could happen, is, is the, the Pharisees, these, these religious leaders, do we miss the miracle completely? And I think that that happens in our life as well. Right? Um, I have have times in my life when I've met people that have just received the Lord and, and their life is changing. And I want them to fit into a moral box. I want them to do things the way that I think they should do them. Uh, my job takes me on site with many different churches, uh, different denominations, different areas of the, uh, the country. And, and the most encouraging thing that comes to me as I go to those churches is that I can see people who love Jesus, who want to see people's lives changed, but they do it differently. And it forces me to assess my own box and, and really look at what needs to be in that box and what doesn't. And I encourage you guys, don't miss the miracle. When Christ opens up someone's life, opens up their eyes to the gospel and begins changing them, don't miss the miracle. That miracle happens so that God can receive glory. Take great pleasure, take great joy in that this person's eyes have been opened and that they've humbled themselves, that they see that they can't do it on their own, that they're, they're, they're insufficient in their morality. They can't even live up to their own moral box, Right? We can't live up to our own moral box, our own set of rules that we put on people. And we will then miss the miracle that God has done in someone else's life and be quick to cast judgment on them, not in uh, a biblical way where we would judge each other and encourage one another and, and try to hold one another to biblical standards, but that we would expect them to meet our expectations and we would judge them when they're not meeting our expectations. I think the, the way that these two sets of people, the way this man and the way that the Pharisees respond to the miracles reveals something about their heart, right? We see the man who's looking for things that he doesn't have to complete him. And we don't want to fall in that box. We don't want to make that mistake. But in the Pharisees, we see them looking at what they have and wanting to protect it, right? And we don't want to be there either. Um, there's a, a verse in Corinthians. It says, uh, it's Corinthians 4, it's 16 through 18. It says, So we do not lose heart through our outer self, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
And this verse is great for when we find ourselves in those moments when we're looking for something to complete us, right? When we're looking for that relationship to, to make us whole, when we're looking for something uh, in, in our, our life situation to make things easier. And we think those are transient things. We don't want to be living with the purpose and with the drive to have comfort now. And, and the more that we get caught up in the things of now and the things that are around us, the easier it is to lose heart and find ourselves at the pool in Bethesda. Looking to be healed, looking for something to change so that we could live life. And I encourage you guys, I encourage myself. You know, I mean, I, I told you, I've had a stressful month. And, and coming in, we went to Nashville and, and we're doing this, this thing. And, and it was so relieving just to get out of that space and those concerns not to be what was filling my vision anymore. And to be around brothers and sisters and encouraged and uh, it just helped me see not the things that are transient that are right here in front of us, but those things that are eternal. There's another verse, uh, Matthew 6. It says, uh, 624, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can also not serve God and your religious system, right? You're either in God's religious system or you are God of your religious system. So when we, we kind of go into things like the Pharisees did here where we miss the miracle and we start trying to put our expectations on other people, be careful, right? This is not a license that, you know, we should just say, hey, do what you feel is free, whatever makes you happy, right? That's not what, that's not what this is saying. And that's not what the Pharisees are doing, right? They don't care what makes you happy. They need you to follow their law. So when someone says like, hey, just do what's happy or do what makes you happy, they're making themselves the God. They are being like Pharisees. There are explicit rules in the Bible. There are explicit commands that say, do not do this, do this. Do this, do not do this. Those are clear. But in the gray areas, we need to be very, very careful. You know, there are closed-handed issues that we do that we hold tightly to, things that, you know, we've, we've, got, to, um, we've got to take a stand on. But even in those closed-handed issues, it's not our fight. You know, I, I was talking to my brother yesterday, and uh, we, were, we were kind of going through this, and he said something that has been really encouraging to him is when we say the peace of the Lord. And he said he was going through one of his seminary classes, and, and the professor talked about that the peace of the Lord is not that we feel good, but it's that war is over. And I thought, man, that is crazy. The war is over. We don't, we don't just have peace in our souls. There's no more fight. We have peace among us. And when we think about those people that come into our lives, you know, I mean, each other, when we think about each other, oh my goodness, like we could sit, if we put any, you know, two or three of us in a room, we could quickly come in to something that makes the other person nervous. Like, you do what? You watch what? You eat what? You live where? You, you I mean, we could easily be able to find things that make us feel like, you voted for who? You know. <laughs> <laughs> we have great conversations at my house. Um, we can easily just get caught up in that, right? 
how do we respond to the miracles in our life? The greatest miracle was Christ on the cross. I mean, we think about Christ as a miracle. I mean, God became man and dwelt among us. That's a miracle. Life lived perfectly. That's a miracle. Arrested, beaten, convicted, innocent, put up on a cross. There's a moment on the cross when Christ says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when I think of the cross and I think of the pain that Christ endured for the joy that was set before him, I think the pain that he endured was not the physical aspect of the cross, but it was that moment when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the Lord opened the floodgates of his wrath and the sins that we committed. Christ paid the price for. That is miraculous. I mean, just that that could happen, that in God's economy, the very actions that we commit, the very sins that we commit can be transferred to God as, as the sacrifice and that he would pay them on our behalf. I mean, this is a God who is at work in our lives. And that's a miracle. And what's the purpose of that miracle? That God would be magnified and that our faith would be increased. So how are we going to respond to that miracle? Some of you guys acknowledge that miracle. You've seen that miracle. It's changed your life. You've responded to it. How are you responding to it right now? How are you responding to it this week? Because the gospel, the good news is not that we have fire insurance, that we're not going to hell. The good news is that we've been brought from death to life, that we've been brought from misery to joy, from brokenness to completion. Some of you guys may think, I don't know that miracle. Well, that happened. And it is documented. And the people who documented were put to death because of the documentation, because they said they believed it. And if they knew it was a lie, why wouldn't they say, as they're up on a cross, as they're being stoned, as they're being dipped in in vats of burning oil and and all of these terrible ways of, of being put to death, why wouldn't they just say, I made it up? Because they believed it, because their life had been changed, and it's true. So so we have the ability here. We have the choice. How do we respond to this? And I encourage you guys, if, if, if this is a new miracle to you, this is a new miracle in your life, I would love to pray with you afterward. I'm in the back most of the time, and I don't get to meet new people very often. Uh, so if you... You know, ever see me in the back? I'm lonely. I want, I want companionship and to talk to people. And Wes is there. I'm not lonely. Wes is there. He he keeps keeps me keeps me occupied. This is just this is the ultimate question, right? How do we respond to miracles? And and wherever we stand on on how miracles happen today and and where they come in, there's a miracle that we all agree on, hopefully. That Christ died on the cross, and he has changed our life. And that should fill us with joy, because like Corinthians 4 says, the things of now are transient, but that is eternal. Let's pray. 
Lord, you are powerful and wise. Lord, you are good. You're sacrificial. That you would send your son to be with us, Lord. That we have evidence of miracles here in, in the text. That we have evidence of miracles in our lives. But Lord, we know that miracles are not what brings us to faith. Miracles are what encourage our faith. Lord, it is your hand in our life. It is the Holy Spirit who, who changes us. And Lord, I just want to be changed today. And I want to be encouraged today. I just want to, to give my life over to you and to continue to bring you glory by responding to the greatest miracle of all. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we ask that, that you would be glorified with our lives today as we, we fellowship with other, each other in lunch. And Lord, through the week as we go to our workplace and raise our children. Lord, as we meet people, Lord, I pray that we would be a light for you and that we would draw them towards you, Lord, not so that, that we receive glory, but that you would receive the praise and glory that you are due. We ask these things in the name of your Son power of your spirit. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Church, Menifee. If you would like to know more about the Menifee campus, visit us online at covgrace.org slash Menifee.